absolutely well it's wonderful to speak with you all and it's wonderful to to be in a place in which we can uh, begin to talk about this as, as you all know we have been working very hard for a long time to build out this infrastructure and when I started the company we knew that it would take us a long time to be able to establish an infrastructure that could uh, do any lab test that is run in a traditional lab from a micro sample or these tiny droplets that we take uh, now from the finger. And we thus built the business around our partnerships with pharmaceutical companies and our contracts with the military uh, wherein we could deploy our framework uh, in the one case for helping to accelerate clinical trials and in the other for uh, extreme uh, use case situations in trauma and other areas where there was a very compelling value proposition in order to build out our test menu and our infrastructure to be able to get to this point. Uh, several years ago, we realized that we had created an infrastructure that could, in fact, make it possible to get rid of lobotomy or the big tubes of blood that are drawn from the arm in its entirety. And we began this work to be able to create a framework wherein working with insurance companies, working with Medicare, working with Medicaid, working with physician and hospital groups, and now uh, retail, we could establish what has the opportunity to be ultimately the largest lab in the country. And uh, most importantly, to change the reality in lab testing today, which is that it's very painful. 50% uh, of the population doesn't do it in terms of compliance with the requisition from a physician to do a test because the fear of needles is such a great phobia and equally the fear of having to wait long periods of time for the results uh, deters many people from getting tested in the first place because they don't want to be sitting around worrying whether they're positive with something or not, for example. And so now in this framework that we've created, we've built the opportunity for people to be able to do their tests in a whole new way, become more compliant with being able to get access to this laboratory data, which is incredibly powerful information that drives uh, so much of clinical decision making and in doing so create a richer uh, data framework for the purpose of being able to better characterize the progression of certain conditions by virtue of the fact that not only are we helping to get people tested uh, because it's a just small sample, we can get people tested at the needed frequencies and because uh, the sample is fresh and it's not, you know, a big series of tubes of blood that are sitting on a counter uh, and exposed to temperature. Uh, we don't suffer the rates of decay 
of key analytes that happen uh, when you ship samples off to a central lab. And then by virtue of the fact that our analytical infrastructure is standardized, so we don't have the variability that is associated with traditional laboratory testing, meaning today if you go to a lab in San Francisco and you go to a lab in LA, on the same day for the same value, one could report a result that is, for example, on a test like HDL cholesterol plus or minus 30 percent for, uh, from some standard and be considered accurate in the eyes of regulators, which means on the same day for a single test, based on the fact that each lab is centralized, has its own lab director, has its own reference range, uses its own equipment, which is different from what other labs use, you could see a 60 percent variance in data. And if you start to think about how that compounds over time, it makes it very difficult to look longitudinally at the progression of a condition by virtue of the fact that there's so much noise between time points. And here, because this is a single framework and we have built this out in such a way in which we have a less than 5 percent variance uh, on our test, if we begin to see a change of 30 percent in patient values over time, it's because it's clinical. And this is a richness of data for the physician community that has not been accessible before, and it allows the physician to begin looking at laboratory data in the same way that people talk about looking at a test for PSA, for cancer, prostate cancer called PSA, which is they focus more on the rate of change or its velocity than they do on its absolute concentration at any given point in time. And we're going to be able to start presenting this laboratory information in that way so that it can be used more toward early detection. We have launched our retail infrastructure. We are operating now in California and in Arizona. Uh, we have opened our, our first stores and have patients uh, coming in live every day. Uh, we are working to expand that as fast as possible. The speed with which we expand is critical in the context of capturing the market opportunity that we have created. And we are putting a lot of resources into establishing a, uh, a national footprint as fast as we can. Uh, but that starts with excellence in each local market and capturing market share in each local market, which is where we are focused now. And as we do that, we're leveraging capital from our strategic partners and also uh, from equity opportunities that we have on the table to be able to uh, grow very fast. And uh, as you all know, we have recently issued shares at $75 a share. Um, for reference, the initial investment in Theranos uh, that you all made was at 82 cents. Uh, so we are already uh, creating significant value and of course 
uh, we're, we're just getting started in the context of being able to establish and roll out this infrastructure. As we go forward into 2014, in addition to the speed of scale, uh, putting the resources into the business to be able to uh, build the organizations that are required to handle this type of consumer uh, business is another core area of focus for us. Obviously, a great contract in the context of a pharmaceutical deal uh, could be uh, very great financially, but uh, it was very small, relatively speaking, in the context of volume uh, next to what we're facing now. There's you know, 7 million people in the Bay Area and 39 million in California. And that scale is very different from the scale on which we've operated in the past. So we're very focused on being able to establish the operational framework to be able to handle that type of volume. And it's a, it's a area that we're spending a lot of time on now. Uh, the Retail infrastructure is the foundation for being able to reactivate a lot of the pharmaceutical programs that we did that allowed us to build the business from cash from operations uh, since uh, we did our Series C round in 2006. And there's a very strong synergy between the ability to run clinical trials uh, at retail and the ability to uh, speed enrollment and better demonstrate that it's possible to deliver therapies in a new way by virtue of the fact that this testing uh, can be done practically inside a retail pharmacy where the drug is delivered uh, in and of itself. So uh, the focus on the pharmaceutical business is still a uh, significant focus for us and will continue uh, effectively as a business unit as we now grow and will be very synergistic with what we've established in retail. So maybe, Chris, let me pause there and just see out of what I've said so far if there's questions on anything we've covered uh, up to now. Thank you. Uh, hi, Elizabeth. Oh. I, I guess a two-part question. Uh, first of all, if you could just cover generally the current capitalization in terms of uh, what the at seventy-five dollars uh, share, what what the capitalization would be, and what you're looking to raise. And I, I take it from what you said, but maybe you could go into a little more of the use. It's, it's is it heavily weighted toward the retail uh, build-out, which you're looking to do. Uh, national basis and how, how long do you expect uh, time-wise to, to do the build-out uh, of the, the retail side? Absolutely. So, um, so when you all came in in the Series B, uh, pre-money was about $20 million valuation of the company. Uh, and that was you know, previously associated with the Series A price of 75 cents a share. Uh, now the valuation of the company is seven, uh, just over seven billion, and that's at the 75 dollars a share. Uh, the uh, retail is, is exactly where we're focusing our investment, and 
the it's really now a question of how fast do we scale. You know, what the fact that we will scale is a given. Our our retail partners have invested hundreds of millions of dollars in building out this framework, and uh, we too have been preparing for this for many years now. Um, the goal is to be able to be national very, very quickly. So the immediate focus is California and Arizona. Certainly, you know, as we go into 2014, one of our goals for 2014 is to have those markets as beachheads in terms of really owning the marketplace and uh, being able to expand from them. But the ability to expand throughout retail, once you've operationalized a given market, is uh, it's not very complicated. And you know, companies like Walgreens have done this very well in areas like the flu shot or vaccination business, where they trained all their pharmacists and had it deployed nationally within, I think, about an 18-month period. And there's there's a parallel to what can be done here, and, and we're working to do that. Thank you. Our next question comes from Larry Gertz. Please go ahead. Larry, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Elizabeth. This is Larry Gertz. Hi, Larry. How are you? Good, good. Congratulations on all this progress. Well, thank you. <laughs> Now, Elizabeth, you mentioned that you might have some additional equity rounds that are coming up. Uh, can you give any indication of how much money you want to raise and what market caps you'd like to see yourself achieve in those rounds? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so we, you know, this this recent transaction at seventy-five dollars a share is actually part of contracts that we have with strategic entities and partners who previously had an equity relationship with Theranos and had an option to exercise uh, to invest additional capital before the end of 2013, which they literally just exercised. And so uh, we're working through that now, as, as many of you all know, with some of the recent shareholder consents. Uh, and, and that valuation that I previously mentioned is associated with those transactions. We do have offers on the table right now from uh, financial institutions that uh, are in the several hundred million dollar range in terms of the amount of capital. And we're considering that in, in the context of how we uh, how we invest, and also we're aware that certain shareholders have uh, some liquidity needs, and so the ability to put a large amount of capital into the company, and then where and as relevant and at the right time for the business, um, address that liquidity is is how we're looking at that. And uh, there's a very high likelihood that we will we will do transactions that are in the several hundred million dollar range. Uh, insofar as the valuation, uh, we know that it is higher than $75 a share. We are having negotiations right now about exactly what price we pick and more importantly who we pick as you know, the, the investor base here. And um, some of this in terms of what the actual price per share and therefore the associated equity capitalization of the company will be is going to depend on how that plays out. But 
that's something that that is going on as we speak and uh, and will likely be affected early in Q1. Hi, Elizabeth. Uh, also, congratulations from us. Uh, it's remarkable what you've accomplished. Um, uh, just to follow on what you were just discussing, uh, I assume that would all be private. I'm wondering uh, if you see a public uh, liquidity event at some point where you, where you go out with an IPO. when we're talking in the December, January, early Q1 timeframe are all private transactions. We have put a corporate structure in place that positions us to be able to uh, proceed with future equity related events and retain the control to realize the uh, long-term vision that we have. And, and as you all know, this company is about being able to change the healthcare industry, and that's something that you know, we plan on doing for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. We, we had the opportunity to create an industry here, and that's what this is about. So we have always been very long-term in our mindset. Uh, the potential for some type of public transaction, uh, public offering transaction down the road is there. Uh, right now, we think there's a lot of advantages to continuing to operate as a private company, especially in the context of what we've just done, where we made some very difficult decisions when we signed our retail contracts to effectively agree to contracts that said we couldn't talk about this because these companies were putting hundreds of millions of dollars into the infrastructure and they hadn't announced it to the street and it was material and on public information, and, and some of it still is. And so, um, so what we got out of that is we got a lead time, and we were able to launch and and really surprise the market in terms of the existence of this capability. And there's a lot of power in that from a market ownership standpoint. Uh, but um, but we are we are looking at liquidity options, and, uh, and an IPO would be one of them. Uh, in terms of the military aspect of this, uh, military is a big deal for us. And uh, I, I can tell you confidentially a couple of the areas in which we've been focused there. Uh, one, in the context of uh, work in the Middle East, and specifically in Afghanistan, the uh, survival rate of our men and women in field when they're hit uh, is 98% if they get through the doors of an emergency room within 60 minutes from the point of injury. And 
if we miss that window, uh, that's where bulk of our fatalities occur. And so the ability to take a technology like this and put it in flight, specifically on a medevac, has the potential to change survival rates. And uh, what it does is it makes it possible to begin transfusion and stabilization uh, in flight. And so we've, we've been doing a lot of work there. Uh, we've also been doing a lot of work for Special Operations Command in the context of missions in remote areas where not only is there no capability to do testing for certain things that need to be measured, uh, but if situations arise in which those tests are warranted, the mission is aborted and uh, people are evacuated generally out of continent. And so um, we, we have created a distributed system that can be used in remote areas, and that is that is another big area of focus for us. And, and as we now reach this stage in our business, and going back to the comment that I made earlier on organization, that really is another business unit. And so that the pharmaceutical business and retail are these three units that we have. Obviously, to be able to do what we've just done, we had to pause a large number of our ongoing pharmaceutical and military programs so that we could focus like a laser on this and executing on this. And the scale of this retail infrastructure now is where we will continue to focus like a laser. But as we get the resources and organization to capture some of these additional opportunities in parallel, we will proceed with the pharmaceutical and military business uh, leveraging some of this infrastructure and, and the resources from it that, that we're building out now. So that, for the long term, will be, will be an important thing for us. And it's also very symbolic because it's our way of being able to help uh, make a difference in whatever small way we can there. Yeah. Insofar as competition is concerned, uh, exactly the reason that we were so aggressive about being in stealth mode was to uh, preserve the window for capturing as much market share as possible without direct competition. We have not seen other companies uh, doing this, uh, like, for example, the ability to use the cloud to control a health device or the ability to uh, run any combination of lab tests on you know, these distributed devices. And uh, obviously, we've complemented those with a very broad portfolio of very narrow claims. Uh, but, uh, but we have been preparing for litigation in the context of being able to protect them and intend to protect them very aggressively. Uh, in our case, IP litigation is not about licensing or IP prosecution is not about licensing, but it's about it's about being able to maintain our ownership of this space. Um, we have a great lawyer, David Boyd, who joins us at all of our board meetings, who also does um, RIP litigation. And we did file a lawsuit uh, about a year and a half ago or two years ago against a patent troll who had um, gone to some elaborate means to uh, attempt to steal some of our intellectual property. And, and our main point there is, 
we will not settle on any intellectual property uh, violations. In that case, the specific patent in question was was not. I mean, we have that content covered by other of our patents, um, but but setting the precedent that uh, we have a zero tolerance approach to intellectual property violation or people trying to threaten us or trying to get us to settle and pay them money uh, is just not something that we're going to do. And I think ultimately as we go forward, obviously continuing to build out the portfolio, defending it aggressively are going to be two very important things which we will do uh, in a big way. But ultimately our real strategy here is the speed of execution, uh, the way we price in the market, which is a big deal. We haven't talked about this directly on this call, but we are changing the cost structure of laboratory testing, and, and that you know also has a competitive aspect to it in terms of winning in, in owning the space, and um, and then doing what what we love and, and try to do best, which is being on version 12 of this type of system by the time anybody else can try to be on version 1. And and that's, a, that's an ongoing focus for us internally. There are no further questions at this time. Paul, if there are anyone, please queue up with, with Don if there are any uh, other questions. Um, Elizabeth, just as, as, you know, as an observation, when you published your prices on the website that are significantly, clearly lower than, than what typically labs charge, how does that strategy evolve and as it relates to Medicaid or Medicare and so forth? Absolutely. Uh, so, so there's there's multiple aspects of this. One is our belief that access to this laboratory information, this biochemical information, which drives uh, most of clinical decisions, is a basic human right, and it should cost the same no matter who you are. If you're insured, you're uninsured, you're Medicare, you're Medicaid, and that. That is very different than the way that other companies operate in this space. No, good. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, we also believe that the ability to uh, create a technology-driven business model where we're going after volume in a big way and uh, and make these tests available at really low cost at the same time has a great potential. And it's also different from ways people have operated in this space because generally the conversation is, oh, we've you know invented this new test and it's going to be really good, so we're going to go try to convince Medicare to pay $5,000 for the test. We're taking the same test and making them available for $30, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah, we are the first company who has billed Medicare and Medicaid at a fraction of what they're willing to reimburse. And that's very interesting because what happens as a result is that they survey every year what they're being billed and reduce their reimbursement thresholds accordingly. And so, uh, in the context of 
um, this lower pricing, their reimbursement threshold will fall and will be reduced uh, over time. And the savings to Medicare and Medicaid are significant. Uh, it's projected to be at least $160 billion in direct out-of-pocket savings over the course of the next 10 years. And there are additional savings that come with the way this changes the care process, meaning what's happening right now in Palo Alto is that unlike in the past where I would go see my doc, doc would say, Elizabeth, haven't seen you for a year, go do a test, I'd go do my test, come back, you know, doc says, nope, you know, your hemoglobin was seven. That means you're really anemic. I don't know what kind of anemia it is. I'm going to put you on this anemia drug immediately and go do another test so I can figure out what kind of anemia it is. So I go get my prescription, the heavy-duty drug. Uh, in the meantime, go do my second lab test, come back for my third office visit, and the doc says, oh, iron deficiency, get off that drug, take some iron pills. And you have this six-week process with three office visits, two labs, one unnecessary prescription. And because we've made it possible to run any combination of lab tests from these tiny samples, the physician can now say on the lab form, if in my example hemoglobin is low, automatically run iron and B12 and other tests on the same sample because big dedicated tubes of blood are no longer required to run each of those different assay methodologies which require their own big analyzers in a traditional lab. And so we get these lab forms that say, okay, you know, if this is out of range, then run this. And on the same sample, in that same window, uh, when we're processing the sample, we can do what we call this automated reflex to those additional tests and then send the data back to the doc. And because we generate the data so fast, namely within hours, I as a patient then could go see my doc that afternoon and the doc already has this data. So we're starting to see a shift in the workflow where for people who have physicians, they're sending the test ahead of time and then they're seeing the patient. And that significantly changes some of the uh, redundancy in costs around visits that are associated with follow-on lab tests and or not having the information that's needed at the time a diagnosis is being made. And so from a savings perspective to Medicare and Medicaid, that is a much bigger deal than the direct out-of-pocket savings that I previously referenced and ultimately will lead to, to better care is the goal.